0: Is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, yeah! this, this is Radioheads, Radiohead. broadcasting live on DallasCowboys.com and the official Dallas Cowboys app. Now, your hosts, Tyler Klutz, Christy Scales, and Brad Sham.
1: He's Tyler, I'm Christy, and one of the effects of the weather yesterday is Brad Sham losing his voice. He actually got through the game day broadcast, but in order to hopefully get through the broadcast this coming Thursday on a short week, Brad is actually resting his voice. So Tyler and I and producer Caden Gates are going to get you through today's episode of Radio Heads. And Tyler, even before kickoff, I had people texting and tweeting it's like oh what's the weather like and what's it like to be on the sideline when it's raining so hard so uh, i've brought some visual aids the first is this bottle of water so just take the deja blue open it and pour it over your head and that's pretty much <laughs> what it was like yesterday and then also this uh i'm going to hold this up so kaden can show everyone and for those of Ugh. you who are listening and not uh, watching the podcast this is remnants of a credential but And this is the remnants of game notes and flip cards, and you can hear the crunchiness. It was just, we kind of got through part of the first quarter of notes, and then we just had to give up because the ink was running, and uh, it it was pretty bad yesterday. So what's the worst in terms of wet weather game that you ever had?
0: College or pro? Either. Uh, Boise State in 2004. It was eerily similar to what it was last night. It was uh, oh gosh, thirty-six degrees raining sideways, and it went the entire game. And and people ask, oh hey, and we talked about it up in the office today quite a bit with Darren Woodson and a couple other people. And weather that is the worst. Wet is is if it's wet, it's always bad. It's never good. Even Miami. If it's wet in Miami and eighty five oh, degrees, yeah. humidity. Still not look, fun. Still sticking, not fun. Yeah, um, but it's, it's when that, it's just cold enough, like sleet, but it's not snow. Because once it gets snow, like when we play, I've played in Green Bay a handful of times or Chicago a handful of times where it snows. And it's actually kind of nice. It's peaceful. And as long as the wind's not just like blowing through you. But, but this Boise game in 2004, I mean, you can't escape it. Like you can't get warm because you throw a jacket on. And, you know, granted, I was at Fresno State and we didn't believe in heated benches and all (laughs) that, Um, but you can't get warm because you're always wet, but it's just miserable. And so this last game, I was watching it and I was like, when, when the cameras come on for the TV copy and the whole thing is clouded over to start the game, you're like, oh, this is not going to be yeah. A fun Yeah,
1: when you talk about clouded over, it's like every commercial break, mm-hmm. the, that SkyCam that's yeah. on the, the yeah. uh, ropes that goes over the thing, they would pull it down and yeah. wipe the lens. All the camera guys were wiping their lenses in between plays and certainly during commercial breaks. But there were some practical ways that we saw the not just with the kicking game and hard to throw passes downfield or even handle the ball yesterday but we know that Dak Prescott waited until the second quarter to put the gloves on and -hmm. it was after one of those errant passes the one in which he missed Randall Cobb and uh, even Dak after the game is like yeah I probably should have put those on earlier but he had he had worn them in practice but not ever in a game but Uh, Blake Jarwin earlier in the game uh, mishandled uh, one of the footballs. And so uh, in between series, he went to gloves. But even small things that people Mm -hmm. wouldn't know watching on TV, a lot of the guys wear the clear visors over their face mask. Mm -hmm. For example, Zeke Elliott, he couldn't wear the visor yesterday, and I couldn't wear my glasses to read my notes, which – Couldn't use after the first quarter anyway because everything was soaked because, you know, you needed like little windshield wipers because it was basically yesterday was like being in a car wash. Four, three and a half hours but um bad weather conditions not a an excuse especially when it comes to special teams and Caden's going to cue us up here in a second with uh, a key play that happened in the game and everyone afterwards Bill Belichick everyone saying that this was uh, probably the deciding play in the game but what did you see looking at this punt block
0: so a handful of things um you know, it's just a soft edge right there by Joe Thomas. Um, you know, Matthew Slater, who's one of the best special teamers possibly ever to play in the game. I mean, he's been a perennial Pro Bowler, just as always out there. Um, and it was a soft edge. The, the challenge was is you've got to understand that in this weather, you've got to expect rush. Because the ball from the long snapper to the punter, it's going to be a challenge in itself, right? Just getting a good snap back there is going to be hard. And then, they, and then the punter catching the ball and then getting it off. Yes. So you've got to be able to expect it. The thing that I saw on special teams was just that the group was just not prepared. It just really wasn't. I mean, in, in so many different phases. And so this is, this is exactly that is just Joe Thomas, who's a great player for the team, and I don't want to knock this. And he
1: mispracticed all of last week with the flu, Sick. so he was gutting it out. Again, not an excuse, but no. there are reasons for things.
0: But but on that particular play, his his outside foot is supposed to be strong. And you, you can't open that up because once you open the gate, now you're chasing. Now, instead of blocking the punt, you're going to block the punt. So the difference is now the punter just sees faces coming at me, it doesn't matter if you're in a white jersey or a navy jersey. You're coming at me right now, and I've got to navigate this punt through you. And so, to you know, what that was is it really was I think a guy that wasn't 100 percent that hadn't practiced. But I just think it was the mindset going into that play means they're bringing you. You have to be ready for them to bring it on every single play, which I showed later, putting 11 guys in the box. Yes, they're going to load it up and they're going to bring it because the the ball handling in this situation in this game is going to be really difficult.
1: I tell you, some of the MVPs yesterday were the holders. Bailey, who's the punter for Mm. New England, and Chris Jones uh, for the Cowboys. But there were some snaps. Now, LP has snapped cleanly on every deep snap since signing with the Cowboys in week four of the 2005 season. So when you get a snap from LP Mm. that's eye high, helmet high, that's kind of high for LP because he's so perfect. So perfect. But uh, there were some times. Now, the Brett Maher miss... I felt was more of the crosswind. Mm -hmm. It got just enough of the ball Mm -hmm. and just as when Nick Folk missed a couple. But you can see the um kickoff returns here were just a mess. And there's that one. But the one later in the game in the fourth quarter is the one that I thought was most inexcusable, and that is the Cowboys had the favor of the wind behind them. Again, it's Mm sixty miles an hour, gusting to twenty, but the Uh, New England gets the field goal with about nine and a half minutes left. They're kicking into the wind. Tony Pollard is running up. Ola Wale's running back. It was kind of like one of those uh, this weekend baseball bloopers where the shortstop and the center fielder aren't communicating and the ball falls in between. But why in the world was Pollard at the goal line Mm -hmm. when there's no way that that kick into the wind was going to get – Inside, I would argue inside the fifteen, but certainly inside the ten yard line. So I yeah. thought there were some things like that that were just inexcusable. It was the end of the game.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so, so, it, so
1: you knew what the conditions were.
0: Yeah. So so what they what they did, they, I don't think they anticipated it being that far in that direction. I think they anticipated it going mo- more to Jemez, right? Okay. And so the challenge there is 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 Jemais's rule is if I back up at all, it's not my ball. Okay. And so what he did is he did lose some ground to get over there, but. Pollard is seeing, okay, he's going to get it. His body language is telling me he's going to catch that ball. And then Jameis at the last second says, nah, I've lost ground. This is going to be too hard of a catch to me. I'm running sideways. This is not the best position. And then lets it go. And then Pollard, yes, you're right. He probably shouldn't have been at the goal line, but his goal is to keep everything in front of him. So if he lines up at the 10-yard line, and it is a good kick, he kicks a low-line drive back in the corner, he's got to be able to go get that and cover the ground. Mm -hmm. It It it, it your, your explanation of the second uh, second baseman and shortstop or shortstop center fielder like not communicating on a fly ball, that's exactly what it was. But Jameis there didn't communicate uh, non-verbally with him that, hey, this is yours. The second that you say, okay, this isn't my ball, okay, hey, you just take off and you start blocking because then Tony Pollard can say, okay, hey, this is my ball. I got to go get it or I got to you know, be a shortstop here and take it off the bounce, but I got to be ready for it. He wasn't ready for either. Yeah,
1: And the, the problem with that is you, you need the game winning drive there in the fourth quarter and you're starting at your own 11 when it should have yeah. at least been 20 or further. But I think that's endemic of special teams this year. But overall, the difference between the Patriots... And the Cowboys other than the Patriots don't they don't beat themselves, right? Mm-hmm. But Very rarely. The, 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 yeah. they're uh two of the top scoring teams in the NFL and yet the Patriots total offense, they're number sixteen. They are absolutely average, but they're number one in average drive start in the NFL. So they're starting at the 33 yard line, whereas the Cowboys, who are number one in total offense and gaining all these yards, but are scoring at about the same clip as the Patriots, they're 29th in their average drive start. Yeah. So you, it's a good thing the Cowboys' offense is getting a lot of yards because they got a lot further to That's go right. to get right. into scoring position. It
0: may contribute as to why they're the number one offense because they're, they I mean, their their drives are 85 plus yards.
1: Well, uh, yesterday the difference in the average field position, and and I'm sure we'll agree that this was one of these hard-fought games, not just because of yeah. conditions, but two to mm. good teams. Yep. Um, the average drive start for the Patriots yesterday was their 41-yard line and for the Cowboys it was their 21 mm. and when they needed good field position at the end it was the 11 because of mistakes like that right. so yep. and but i think you look at that and and part of that is special teams but do you think part of that is defense too cuz you know that the patriots are getting all these takeaways and the mm. cowboys just it seems like the defense is not setting up the offense as much this year in terms of short fields yeah i think
0: we've seen that in the past and and when our defense is a top 5 defense that's what they're doing. They're taking the ball away. They're stripping the ball. They're getting to the quarterback, which, you know, thank goodness we got Robert Quinn this year because he's the only one that seems to be able to get to the quarterback. And so those are the things that you've got to do, get the ball back, put your offense on a short field. What that does tell me, to your exact point, when you're starting on your, what, 15-yard? I mean, our our drives were so so far back. But that tells me we're getting the ball off of a special team's play. And our special teams exactly. isn't contributing, right? right? But that just means we're not getting at midfield because of an interception or our twenty-five going in, like mm-hmm. we gave to them. And so there's there's so many things there. But I think I think also part of it is I think just the situations that we're putting ourselves in as a staff as a, as uh, as a team, right? And and there's a lot of one of the things that that I took away from this game and. I love Keith O'Quinn. Like, I think he's he's one of my favorite people. He really is. Um,
1: and this is Cowboys special yes, teams coordinator. this is our special teams
0: coordinator who's ca- caught a lot of heat, you know, and everyone's looking to point the finger and everyone's... Let's all take a step back. What, 90% of Cowboys nation said, hey, we're going to go ahead and count New England as a loss, but we can still win the next few games. This is like... Three days ago, you're saying that. Now that we got the loss, now everybody's like, "Oh, I want someone's head. I want, I want someone fired. Someone needs to be responsible for this." We just went into an awful weather situation in Foxborough, who playing a team that's won 20 plus straight games in at home against the defending Super Bowl champs with the best quarterback of all time and the best coach of all time, and we we lost. By four points, yeah. That was a really. I was more encouraged after this game than I was going into the really, game. Really, I really was because we made a lot of mental errors that can be corrected. I looked at the team that we've built and the team that's over there, and we have the better team. Now, certainly, offensively. To, yes, 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 absolutely. Their defense was. Uh, it, their defense lived up to the hype for sure. Yes, I mean the way they swarm tackled, the way they they didn't give up anything, and they didn't give us anything. We had to earn everything that we mm-hmm. got. Now again, I'm going to go on a tangent, but I was encouraged about this game because we played it really, really tough against a really tough team. And offensively, I think that we did as well as expected, um, that we could because we ran the ball better oh, than we have in the week, in weeks past. Yes, because what what I saw was I saw that offensive line moving their defensive line, which is a great unit. It's a great, it really is a great defense. But we were moving forward, and again, what what I feel like we're getting away from is is you know, Kellen Moore is offensive genius, and we got to do these tricks and we got to do that. And I feel like we're running laterally more than we need to. Because we are most effective with the type of runner that Zeke is, is Zeke needs to be running downhill. We call it the sand play. That was our bread and butter, right? Out of 12 personnel, he takes one step over, and he's reading that mic, and he's hitting it downhill. And those are the things that we have done well over the years, and that's the kind of back that he is. I feel like we don't do enough of that. We saw that yesterday when we did run downhill. We moved the ball three, four, five yards a pop, Mm -hmm. whereas... When we run sideways, we're just not successful. We go back to that uh, that Minnesota third down, right? Running sideways. Why are we doing that? But you walk out of this game saying, okay, this is the best defense in the league, and we were not highly effective. We didn't put in the end zone, but we saw how we match up to this team, and we played well, right? And then I also look at just like big picture is we go into a very hostile environment with a coach that we talked about this last week. What does Bill Belichick do? He takes away your strongest weapon. Amari, yep. he shut him down right now. I don't think he was healthy and I don't think he moved and, like and he give did.
1: credit to Gilmore. Who's one of the best, <coughs> great, 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 great player.
0: But what, what Belichick says every time is, can you're, we're going to take away your number one. That's what we're going to do. But can your two, three, and four, can they beat us? And they didn't Zeke didn't. Uh, Randall Cobb didn't. Uh, Michael Gallup didn't. Wit Jarwin, they didn't. So now, okay, th- I'm going to take that away, and that's how you beat them. You say that they don't ever, they don't ever give you games, and it's really hard to beat them. But it really is. Okay, can our twos, threes, and fours can they beat their defense? Let- that's what you have to do.
1: But let's. Further on this idea of um, Cowboys Nation, obviously sour taste in their mouths, but the the tripping penalties. Yeah. Okay, especially that last one on Travis Frederick. Yeah. Now, Cowboys Nation is going to continue to chew on uh. that, and it's going to hurt for a while. Yeah. But can the players, Is you know, the 24-hour rule, are there times where, like, a bad call or you feel like you got the raw end where it does carry through? So the or problem is it with over? that
0: penalty, though, is that that's going to be a two-week rule until the FedEx envelope comes into your locker. Because any tripping penalty, he'll fight it, but any tripping, tripping penalty is a finable expense uh, or offense.
1: And here's th- – yeah. what a joke. This was the one on Tyron.
0: Okay, so that one. And then one, here's
1: the one on Travis Frederick. So you see number 72. You see that right leg coming out a little, but – Didn't even – Okay, no, so Travis Travis's that, was – Here's Tyron's. Awful. That one was even worse. I thought
0: they they were both bad because how are you how are you supposed to move your leg out of the way when someone is running through while you're stepping in the direction to block them? I mean that's uh, that's absurd. And then the holding call that Tyron got. Oh, that
1: was awful. But but he's been a victim of these holding calls for a few years.
0: And and you know what it is though is he's so strong and he's in literally he had one hand and he had one hand on him and he stood him straight up. And that was it. That is not holding. Just because the guy like throws his arm up doesn't make it a holding penalty. Right. I mean that those calls are awful. Those are those are now again, Cowboys Nation. You know, gotta let those go. Those are three three pivotal plays. Yes, but again, it a lot more goes into a game than just three plays. But those. Those ones are going to hurt for a while. Those are really hard to, to move past just well, <laughs> because it's like, that was so bad. Like It, it so really bad. was.
1: It really was. The umpire was the one that threw it on Travis at the end. And over on the sideline, I mean, the coaches, everybody was just apoplectic, really. Yeah. And so there was a, a timeout. I'm um, not a the subsequent play in which Amari Cooper's catch was reviewed Mm -hmm. and then overturned and ruled incomplete obviously there's a time stoppage because the referee is reviewing the play well the umpire is over in front of the Cowboys sideline he had walked over and and Mark Colombo who's the (laughs) offensive line coach shall we say he shared a piece of his mind on the call Yeah, Uh, but yeah it was pretty tough but let's go back you mentioned that uh, you joked sort of a joke about that being a two week kind of penalty because yeah. you get a FedEx envelope yeah. in the locker. Please I was, explain. I
0: was the recipient of that against the New York giants in 2015.
1: What'd you get called for tripping tripping? I
0: did have a tripping oh my penalty gosh. on me. Yeah. Okay. Mine was a little bit mine. I argued and got the fine down. Um, but, uh, the NFL very rarely just waves it all together. Um, but yeah. So if it's a finable offense, uh, they go back and review it. They have a whole um, they have a whole division in the NFL that literally is just dedicated to fines, right? Yes. And so they send out uh, these FedEx envelopes that saying, "Okay, hey, you have been fined this much, um, and if you want to appeal it, you know, there's a there's a guy in the NFLPA that helps through the whole process."
1: And they automatically deduct it from your check. Is yeah, that right?
0: Yeah, it's it is not like hey, you need to write us a check. It's it's gone. It's, it's gone, like yeah. it's like the it's like the uh, Uh, the IRS, like, you know, taking wages (laughs) out of your check. It really is. Uh, but those
1: deadbeats that uh, haven't paid their alimony or child support, it just disappears. That's exactly Uh, right. I have, I have some fine amounts, for example, these are more like team fines, but for example, and, and it, it, the amount goes up just a little bit year per year. So let's say that that Tyler scores a touchdown and he's so elated that he throws a football into the stands. Can't do that. This year that fine is $2,615. Now don't lose your playbook or a scouting report because that's $13,950. Don't miss a team meal, not that you would because they're mm-hmm. delicious. Also $13,950. But where the where the big fine bigger fines come in, it's the player's safety. It's yeah. the roughing the quarterback and the like. And by the way, these fines, the, if you do them more than once, then they continue they to compound. go up. And yeah. also, we're not pulling your socks up, uh, not having your shirt tucked in. Mm-hmm. There is a. It's usually a former player, but there is a member of the NFL, we call them the uniform police, yep. that's on the sideline. Yep. And uh, they, in pregame, are making notes, and they'll tell Mike McCord or and Bucky Buchanan, the equipment manager, for the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. Okay, so-and-so needs to do this, so-and-so needs to do that. Towel is
0: too long, uh, knee pads are too high, uh, you can't spat your cleats because it's covering up the Nike symbol. Um, I mean, there's all sorts of uniform violations that they have, and okay. and really, like, look, I'm not that that guy. That's you know, oh, the man's trying to hold you down, but but it's it gets kind of ridiculous a little bit with the NFL, all the things that they can fine you on, and and just so you know, the the fans and and Cowboys Nation is aware. So supposedly, all of these fines they go to nonprofits.
1: Do you get a tax deduction? No. Oh, no, well, I mean, that doesn't seem right. Actually, no, I mean, th- it
0: would. It would reduce your total income because your income is different, right? So mm-hmm. it's taking it out. So, so I guess technically, but not. And the thing is, is, is.
1: But you don't get the credit for a charitable get, well, donation. Yeah, you don't.
0: You don't get credit, and you don't know where it's going. They're choosing and how it's donated. I, I, yeah. I mean, there's there's all sorts of stuff that's just not real great in the players minds. Yeah,
1: I can uh, where it goes now. Yeah. The money, the fine money that's collected throughout the year now goes to the uh programs through the NFL and the NFLPA for the older players. The de- but in the, the but before that, is it the, used to go Is it through the trust? Um, I'm not sure if it's through the players trust, but it's dedicated to that kind of thing yeah. like relief for the former players. But I know that before all uh. that the last several years and I say olden days, like 90s or yeah, early pre, odds. Yeah,
0: pre pre 93, right? Before so, so pensions they, and all that. All came through. And so, yeah.
1: what they um, where those charitable funds used to go? Uh, I know one time at one point, and maybe they still get a little bit. But the Brian Piccolo Foundation. Yeah, those uh-huh. of you that remember Brian's Brian song, song, you yep. know, that's Gail Sayers' fullback, Brian Piccolo. So the NFL designates it for um, certain charities. One last thing on the uniform police mm-hmm. and Caden, I want you to jump in on this because I want you guys to guess which former Cowboy is the uniformed policeman for AT&T Stadium. So any Cowboys game, there's a former Cowboy, and he is one of the top five receivers in the history of the Dallas Cowboys. And he played in, I think, the late 70s, but certainly the 80s. Want to take a guess? Caden, are you going to jump in on this? Not Drew Pearson, but of that era and a little bit beyond. I will say that he made a great catch against the Redskins in the back of the end zone from Roger Staubach. So he definitely played in the 70s for a comeback win over the Redskins. That was the you-gotta-believe game. Charlie Waters in the booth with Brad Sham, but it's actually Tony Hill. Tony So, uh, So those, those longtime Cowboy fans who he... remember, he's done it for probably, oh, at least – Eight or nine years now, he was doing it. If you uh, ever got fined for uniform, Tyler, at a yeah. home game, you never did. Uh,
0: I was pretty basic. I was real vanilla. I was like <laughs> a traditional fullback, right? Yeah. No, I couldn't get away any money. <laughs>
1: Hey, okay, uh, I want to talk about a, a couple of more things uh, related to uh, the game uh-huh. yesterday before we look ahead to Buffalo yeah. and Thanksgiving and some of the Thanksgiving tradition. Interesting conversation with Dr. Dan Cooper, mm-hmm. who you know well. He's the lead team orthopedist for the Cowboys for many years. But we were talking about Connor Williams. So Connor missed only one game, uh, last week's game. He was back for yesterday as starting at left guard. 13 days after arthroscopic surgery for a torn meniscus. And Dr. Cooper was saying that he has this proprietary procedure where, you know, usually if you get scoped, there are two, they say portals. Uh, two or three portals of entry where they got to go through, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but Dr. Cooper has this proprietary technique in which there's just one portal, mm-hmm. and so it was a what he called the tear that Connor suffered, and some other players have suffered similar meniscus tear, but it's called a bucket handle yeah. te- uh, meniscus tear, and so basically that meniscus got turned upside down, and his knee was locked, mm-hmm. and so um, that was the Is last it medial several meniscus, games, right? I, yes. Yeah. That's right. But anyway, just amazing that Connor Williams was able to come back in such a short amount of time. And that leads me into the short work week Yeah, with a, a turnaround and, mm. of course, the Cowboys being at home, Detroit being at home each year. How big of an advantage is it that you're always at home and never have to travel for that?
0: Uh, the short week not traveling is huge. Uh, it, it really is. Because, I mean, you think about schedule. OK, we played, got home late last night, Right. Then you come in. Today is normally a Wednesday, so in you know, a Okay, Thursday so Monday week. is Wednesday. Monday is Wednesday. Okay, hold on.
1: Yes, as we as Wednesday, we Saturday, as we speak live, right. it's Monday.
0: Monday yeah. is Thursday. Monday is Thursday. Monday is Thursday. So normally, you've already had your hard practice out of the way. Now you're working on third down. That's generally what th- Thursday is. And then, uh, t- so today they'll probably do a walkthrough. They'll break it up. They'll you know get soreness. They'll get treatment, and then they'll go out on the field and they'll walk through. And then tomorrow they've got to have an abbreviated practice. It's got to be again crisp, short, but they can't risk you know going out there and getting anybody hurt. That close to a game because tomorrow tuesday is a friday and then wednesday you do maybe a longer walkthrough on wednesday getting ready before you go to the hotel here at the omni here in frisco um, before you go to the hotel and and then that's it and you're in game day think about throwing travel into that compressed schedule so now okay so buffalo uh Played at home against Denver. At home, okay, yeah. that's right. They okay, they played at home.
1: They beat Denver yesterday. They're eight and three, and that's they have the team. third best record in the AFC.
0: Yes, yeah. So this is a good team. But now they've got to go from New York to Dallas. So that means they're leaving on Wednesday at one o'clock at the latest, because they've got they've got to come this way. So then they'll get in. I mean, that really reduces because Wednesday is a decent work day on a, on a compressed week. So now you have that whole thing gone. Now you're getting off a of plane. You're body's still sore because normally that's the, that's the day of practice that you're like trying to push through all, all the pain because everything from the game is not all the way healed. Um, not that anything's ever all the way healed
1: (laughs) until what March (laughs) exactly.
0: But I mean, that's, it it really is. It's an advantage, you know, with that being said, I think now, you know, most of these guys, there's enough Thursday games, there's enough short weeks that like guys are used to, um, guys are used to, these compressed weeks and, and working faster. And I think we work smarter as as players and coaches and stuff now. Um, but it's gosh, it's it's a lot. And then for us, we and then the following week in Chicago it's, we don't have the extended extra bye week until following the, right. the Chicago game. Right. So it's it's a grind. And next week is like the last week of that brutal grind that we had, this, this brutal schedule that we had five games in...
1: 26 days. Yeah,
0: something crazy. But hopefully it, it plays into our advantage. Now the question is, is, there's a couple guys that are on that injury list consistently. We've got to say... Do we push them through this game? I mean, do we're still in the driver's seat to make the playoffs. Do we push, or can we get by this week, get a win, and let them be healthy for Chicago the following week?
1: Well, when you say push through, um, it guys like – now, first of all, Antoine Woods was limping pretty good. That's the Cowboys' starting nose tackle, and he tweaked his ankle towards the end of the game. He went back in the game, and Christian Covington played a little more in the fourth quarter for Antoine, but Antoine was gimping just to get – To the locker room and on the team bus afterwards. But when you say about the compressed um, practice schedule this week, guys like Zach Martin with the ankle and the back and the elbow, Lyle Collins with the back, Mm -hmm. Tyron Smith, uh, guys who are held out of practice on a regular basis now until Friday, Mm -hmm. well, heck, they wouldn't even be practicing on Wednesday or Thursday, and now they're playing on Thursday? Yeah. First of all, let me just say that if the NFL says it's serious about player safety, they'll do away with Thursday night That's, football.
0: That is the number one the number one point that when they say, Oh hey, we're worried about it. We're worried about player concussion safety. We're worried about all these things. We're changing the game. You can't hit this way. You gotta stay off the quarterback. You can't rub your leg up against someone or it's tripping. I mean, all those things, but yet you're playing on Thursday because the revenue shows that we're getting more revenue on this. You're not worried about, you're doing the things that you feel like you have to do without actually affecting your profits. Right. Right, and I mean I don't mean to be that guy because I'm not that guy, but but to your point, it's, tr- it's true. It's hard. It's true. It is They're... really, really hard to turn around and play on a Thursday.
1: Now, but uh, I understand, and I think the Thanksgiving Day tradition should continue. Great, and having a third game where the teams get to alternate, and yeah. you have more than Detroit and Do it Dallas once hosting
0: once a year. Once a sure, great.
1: sure, no problem. Let me ask you this, because Buffalo, we mentioned eight and three, and if you pull any. NFL casual fan off the street. Mm-hmm. If they're if they know the Cowboys, they probably know that Cole Beasley is yeah. with uh, Buffalo, yeah. and they can probably name. Um, you know Josh Allen, yeah. or maybe they know Frank Gore is on that team. Well,
0: which now is third all time. In is that rushing? amazing? And I yes. wanted I
1: wanted your opinion on Frank and what is yeah. it that you appreciate the most about Frank <laughs> yeah. Gore?
0: Yeah, so longevity number one, right? I I grew up a forty nine er fan, and so before I even got into the league, which is crazy that he's been playing this long, like. When I was in college, I'm watching Frank Gore, you know, have 1,000 plus yard seasons mm-hmm. in San Francisco for a team that was awful. Like that was when they were really bad, but he was the one bright spot on that team. But I think he's put together nine 1,000 yard seasons and he's 3,500 yards behind Emmett.
1: Yes. He, so,
0: he's... I mean, could be done. It's another that, three years. That'd be tough. That'd be yeah, tough. So he's, he's
1: at like fifteen thousand two hundred eighty nine, and, and Barry Sanders was like fifteen thousand two hundred sixty or yeah. thirty nine, something like
0: that. Yeah. So so he's go, he's going for Walter Payton, mm-hmm. which which can be done. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it depends on. But the thing about him is he is always there. And he has always played, and he's always been effective. He hasn't been the flashiest guy. I was listening to the 105.3, the fan, this morning. And they were talking about, I don't think of him as a Hall of Famer. I'm like, he's absolutely. how do you argue fan. that? Yeah. He's a third all-time in rushing. Well, he's just been consistent. Yeah, I know. That's why he should be a Hall of Famer. I mean, just like Jason Witten. Jason Witten's number 2 all-time in receiving for tight ends. But he's been consistent. He's been there. He is a Hall of Famer. Like if you can, if you can stay relevant and productive for that long, you should be honored as one of the best to ever do it. And Frank Gore is that guy. He is that guy that is always the. And then not. To, I mean, I don't want to go into all the things that he's overcome in his lifetime and all the challenges that he's had. He's had to face. But everybody that I've talked to that has played with Frank Gore. It's just like he is a pro, and he goes out, and he does it, and you can count on him. And that's one thing, unfortunately, I feel like is missing in this era is guys that you can consistently count on over and over week after week year after year and he's one of those guys
1: Yeah, and you say about him overcoming some things I read some quotes post game yesterday where he was asked about moving past Barry Sanders and he was talking about his longevity and yeah. just how um Frank one of the challenges he overcame was two severe knee injuries yeah. when he was at University of Miami so he fell in the draft to I think like the third round or yeah. something like that yep. and so um uh, he was quoted yesterday as saying that uh, the speculation was that I'd have maybe two or three years in the league yeah. because of these knee injuries. Yeah. To your point of guys that you can count on yeah. to do that, kudos to Jeff Heath. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he when he not first he came out for just a play with his right shoulder. He missed the previous week's game, but he has two bum shoulders. And then on this really good tackle, his left shoulder, I mean, it was hanging. And he's so tough.
0: Yeah, I wanted to cry for He didn't cry, but I
1: wanted to cry for him. Yeah, he is definitely a throwback. But then then he goes back out there. He doesn't miss on special teams, and he's back out there on defense. I think Darian Thompson was out there for just a few plays. But these guys, you know, Connor Williams doing that. Demarcus Lawrence still – Chases down every Mm -hmm. single play, whether it's a screen pass, Antoine Woods out there fighting through it. And so when you were talking earlier about how you saw some positive things, even though it was a loss yesterday, it's those types of things that you see on the sideline. And it's like, that's why I also have hope, have hope moving forward. That's right. Question about Buffalo, though, Um, since they are so relatively unknown and, yeah. and small market. And unless you play fantasy football, you probably don't know a lot of their skill position which players. Cole, which I
0: have Cole on my team. Thank you, Cole. <laughs> oh, 16 points last week. Are you
1: going to play him this week? No, of course okay, not. Okay, thank course you. Course you. I was going to. We were yeah. going to have to scold you Am- if you Amandola,
0: did. Amendola goes in and takes that spot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> who else? Who's your quarter, who are your quarterbacks?
0: Uh, I have uh, Deshaun Watson and Garoppolo.
1: Ooh, oh, yeah. very good. Yeah, which very is like good. a
0: week-to-week deal. It's like, yeah, I not Yeah, with know, Garoppolo,
1: there his on points, defense. yeah,
0: his points aren't aren't you know Deshaun has crushed it. I mean, he's had thirty plus point weeks and and he's had like six point weeks. But uh-huh. yeah, I usually have Deshaun Watson as my mainstay.
1: Okay, well, you don't have Cole this week. Yeah. Thank goodness. Uh, he's second on the team with a uh, Buffalo. John Brown's their uh, leading receiver, but uh, Cole Beasley, forty nine catches for five hundred and twenty five yards uh, through eleven games and four touchdowns. But Buffalo, since they're a smaller market, they don't get a lot of these marquee games. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's any extra juice for them going to play at the Cowboys on the national stage on Thanksgiving?
0: Yeah. So any of the guys there that have played in this type of game or, I mean (laughs) – not guys that have been on the team, but played in a playoff game. So when you describe Thanksgiving game, it's playoff atmosphere. It's what it is, and so there's there's going to be an elevated like emotion uh, from the team because you know a lot of them grew up watching this game, watching the Detroit and Dallas Thanksgiving game, and so they've seen this and they're like, I've always wanted to. Like my dream is to play on Thanksgiving. My dream is, to... and then the atmosphere is just different than another regular season game. It really is a playoff playoff atmosphere, and so. You're going to see a lot of guys in Buffalo that know that very rarely are they the national on the national spotlight outside of a Thursday night game here and there. Now, everybody is watching me. Not only like, okay, hey, are we the only game on at that time? Now, this is Thanksgiving where we literally. Everybody in the country, people that don't even normally watch football, everybody is watching us. Yeah. I mean, I know because I, I was, I was, I played in four Thanksgiving games in my career, and literally, there's people that I didn't hear of, hear from in twenty years. <laughs> they were like, "Hey man, I just saw you." I was like, "Oh, you yeah. don't watch any football, man?" <laughs> Not that people would notice me, but like that's when people notice. it. Uh-huh. So yeah, there's an elevated like urgency within a game like this. Yeah,
1: well, that's it's going to be a CBS broadcast, which means that uh, your, Antonio. Your, your buddy, Tony Romo, Antonio. and by the way, we have uh, Tony joining us today in t-shirt form, yeah. uh, released today, part of the America's Team collection each Monday. It's a different former or current player, and so Tony Romo is this week, and it's in honor of him being back at AT&T Stadium calling the game, and I would like to share a story, if you'll indulge me, because I think I think that uh, a lot of members of Cowboys Nation take for granted that it's every Thanksgiving Day Good and night. that, oh, it's like this league rule that Detroit and Dallas play at home. But the way that it started for the Cowboys was back in uh, 1966. That was the first Thanksgiving Day game uh, for the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. and. Detroit had had one all the way back since the 30s. And actually, the NFL had uh, Thanksgiving Day games as early as the 1920s. In college football, fun fact, the first Thanksgiving Day game was Harvard and Yale back in 1876. So there's a long tradition. But up until 1966, there was only the Detroit Lions game early on Thanksgiving afternoon. Well, the NFL wanted to expand and have a second offering. Tex Schramm, our former team president and general manager, who was just the marketing genius, he agreed to host it. And you didn't have teams wanting to host it at the time because it was basically a gamble. You know, yeah. our, our, it wasn't a tradition. It had never happened in Dallas. So, And the team, frankly, did not draw well at the Cotton Bowl in the early and mid-60s. Well, what they did, Tex said, OK, I'll do it. But... If we're going to commit to it, then we're going to host it every year. Yeah. So it's not a league rule per se. It's more kind of like an agreement, yeah. handshake kind of thing. But uh, over 70,000 people turned out to the Cotton Bowl, and it's because uh, one of the reasons was the opponent was Jim Brown in the Browns. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it was such a success, and then other teams realized – well, wait a minute, it's not fair that Detroit and Dallas get the short week and at home, you know, we we won in on the action. And so there were two years in the mid-1960s where the Cowboys did not host. It's The games were hosted by the then St. Louis Cardinals. The ratings went down, and, you know, they got a good turnout at the yeah. stadium. But the NFL and, more importantly, I think Tech Didn't just twist the arm, but did one of those Indian burns, you know, whatever. And so um, the Cowboys got it back and have had it ever since then. So it's funny to think of it being a kind of a kind of a gamble. Yeah, but it was. And thank so, thank you to Tex Shram. So Tex and Turkey is part of the Thanksgiving Day tradition. We have a few minutes left. So, um, what are you most looking to? Uh, see on Thursday, and we haven't really scouted Buffalo because yeah. we're just coming back, just coming, just off, coming yeah. off that. Mm-hmm. But but overall, from what you've seen the last few weeks, what do the Cowboys need to do?
0: So what I want to see is I, I want to see our defensive line show back up. I want to see pressure. I want to see Josh Allen on the ground a lot. Um, I think what when you know Demarcus and Robert and Michael and those guys when they get going and they're in the face of the quarterback, just good things happen. And I think we've been inconsistent at best. I want to see Demarcus. Like that's who I want to see. I want to see Demarcus come, come away with a three-set game. That's what I want to see. Because when he when he gets to the quarterback, the energy, it really does permeate between the team. But then also, I want to see us get back to running the ball effectively. I don't need I don't mean we have to run the ball all the time. I want to I wanna see us running the ball effectively. I mentioned it earlier in the show is when we're running downhill or even some wide zones, but we're pressing the line of scrimmage right off of the bat, we need to to get those going. I think we need to run out of 21 personnel with a fullback. So I think that we need to get some violent collisions and we need to get in there. With that being said, I also want to make sure that we are still being creative and doing the things that that they give us um, because – when when we try to be one-dimensional, do what we're going to do, we don't do well. But I think that we need to set those up. I watched the San Francisco-Green Bay game last night and looking at Shanahan's offense and looking at what he does and setting up the pass with the run. We used to be able to do that very well, and that was 2016, Dax rookie year. Why we were so successful is because we ran the ball well and that opened up the pass game, and he looked great doing that. And I think we need to get back a little bit to that. But this week I want to see hitting the quarterback and I want to see our offense run the ball effectively.
1: Were you surprised that the Cowboys didn't do more 21 personnel yesterday? Again, 21 is when you have yeah. two fullbacks and mm-hmm. and uh, one tight end. Yeah, But especially when you knew they were going to – when you thought they'd have to run because yeah, of the weather conditions a little
0: a little bit the, challenge, the the numbers didn't really look great right when you've got a defense like that and then you've got Stephen Gilmore who's one-on-one with um with Amari right it's it's hard to say okay they didn't double if they double teamed Amari, okay now let's run the ball and okay. the numbers make sense but it just doesn't really make sense if the numbers don't match up I would have liked to in that weather game, like as a fullback. Mm -hmm. Like, that's our dream. It's like, all right, now I'm going to get some action because we're going to be running the ball more. Um, So I'm a little bit. We just haven't been real, real successful out of 21 personnel. And, and part of it is that I don't think that we've gotten in the rhythm of it. We use Jamays more in the pass game than we do really yeah, in the run game. Yeah, most of
1: the t- he's split out more than he yeah. is in the backfield.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, part of that is just kind of the makeup that he is. He's not, and, and this is, I, I, I love Jamez, so this is no disrespect, but he's not that thumper. Right. He's not that He's no Tyler and, Klutz. <laughs> well, that was all I could do, so <laughs> I, had to, I had to be okay They never at
1: split it. you out? To uh, the sometimes. <laughs> they
0: did a couple times, but uh, Scott Linehan didn't have a whole lot of trust in, with me <laughs> in space. But, uh, you know... I I am a little bit surprised that because they are in twenty one a lot, but they don't run a lot out of it. And it's not like, a, okay, let's get some some weak zones. Let's get some strong side. We called it a boss play where the fullback's up on the strong safety, like going down and making those like big collisions. And that, those are personality plays, but opening it up. So now you've got more boots. Like you saw Garoppolo when he hit that uh, that long pass to Kittle over the middle. That was that was off of a boot, and it was you know going the opposite way, which Dak has shown that he can roll out to his left and still throw a good ball. Um, Those are things that I would like to see get back to, okay, yes, Kellen is a creative offensive mind, but what is the foundation of this offense and what is it built off of? It's built off of running the ball. So let's make sure that we take advantage of that to set up the pass as, as opposed to, okay, well, when we get in a 12 personnel and we pack the box tight, they know we're running it. Or if we're going to throw it, we're going to get an 11 or 10 personnel, you know, no tight ends or one tight end and one running back. And we're just going to spread it out and throw the ball. Like, more play action, more boot, and really just, I don't know. Those are some things that I, I do feel like there's a gap in where we're at and where we should be.
1: Well, it's a huge game I look forward to seeing Buffalo because we only get to see them once every four years. And they, I think they're going to have a big contingent of fans because yeah. on, they come only once every eight years, and yeah. they'll be fired up Bill's to do Mafia, some. Right? Yeah. B- at, there's going to be Ma- a lot of tables It's, in it's a real broken. thing. Yeah. It's a real thing. So yeah. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, happy Thanksgiving yes, you to too. you and the family. You Caden, thank you so much. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving and happy Thanksgiving to all the Cowboys nation. Thank you for joining us this week on Radioheads.
0: This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about you, Cowboys?